Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. It is our weekly marriage hour today on Trending, and perhaps you've been in the engagement scene already, and you have moved on, whether it was a good engagement, difficult engagement, I don't know about you, but marriage prep was difficult. A lot of the pre-Cana and engage encounter retreats, I will say, even coming from the church, were just absolutely awful. We'll talk a little bit about that in a bit, but joining me in just a few moments will be Emily Wilson. She's a YouTuber, author, and a Catholic speaker, and she has a new program for women called Navigating Engagement with Peace, Joy, and Gratitude. This is a program that is so needed to help fill the void in marriage preparation, not meant to replace some of the programs that are out there, but to help especially women through one of the most serious and intense transitions that you go through in life. I would say apart from having a baby, that is getting ready to be married, to be a wife. And nothing can prepare you uh, for everything you'll experience. But Emily truly is touching on the hearts, minds, and faith of many women. So we'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, Preparing for the wedding day itself, preparing to be married. Also, in just a little bit, I'm going to share with you a young person's story who recently reached out to me who detransitioned after following and chasing down a transgender identity and even taking cross-sex hormones. This is big news, especially with the latest news from Target and what they're selling to help kids hide from their parents when they are choosing to quote-unquote transition to the opposite sex. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in just a moment. If you're single and looking for a spouse or struggling with infertility, I would love to pray with and for you. The number is 1-888-914-9149. If you don't make it on air to pray with me, we are taking all of your names and we will pray for you here during trending. Also, we continue to take the heated abortion questions in the anticipation of the overturning of Roe versus Wade, all of us getting prepared to be better equipped to respond to some of the challenging questions circling around abortion. If you have a question, numbers 1-888-914-9149, or you can also ask your question live now on Instagram at Timmerie, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. Joining me now is Emily Wilson. She's a YouTuber, author, and Catholic speaker. She especially touches the hearts and minds of young women today in the dating scene and in marriage, and especially with her new program as women are preparing to be wives. She has a new program called Navigating Engagement with Peace, Joy, and Gratitude. And she's here to discuss with us uh, preparing for the wedding day, preparing for the wedding night, but also keeping the right focus during this season of engagement. Emily Wilson, welcome to Trending. 
Thanks so much. It's such a delight to be here all the way from California. My beloved California, you mock me. You're probably enjoying lovely weather that is not humid <laughs> there in Southern it's California. True. It's 75 and sunny and nice and clear. We love uh, it. I digress. This is why we need mm-hmm. to go back to San Diego. <laughs> I always say prayers for us. We're working our way back. I'm a California transplant in the Midwest right now and sorely okay. missing it. Okay, so Emily, I want to talk about your new program, NavigatingEngagement.com is where you can find it. Uh, it's a series that women can pick up if they find themselves in that season of engagement. Can you tell us a little bit more about the program, uh, especially, and I, we can talk about this a little bit later, especially with the voice there is today in good marriage prep programs, how this is meant to aid but not replace. For sure. So yes, that's a huge problem. Um, This is specifically for women, for brides-to-be, during the engagement process. So you've been engaged before and you, you know, people, women talk about being engaged. There's a lot that goes on during engagement. It's such a busy time with so many boxes to check. You're like, you know, checking all the wedding planning things and checking off your marriage prep. And I, I really felt for myself and for many other women that I talked to, like they just get lost in the shuffle of all of that, that um, it's really hard to focus on your heart and your soul and what's going on internally, like focusing on the heart, your spirit, thinking clearly, making clear decisions, as well as navigating really what's important during the wedding planning process. I felt like um, many women didn't know how exactly to do that right. You get engaged and it's this big change, but you really think like, how do I actually be engaged? Like, how do I be a great fiance? How do I like do my normal life with work and, you know, relationships or studies or whatever it is, but also plan a wedding. I wanted to help women practically do that ultimately to help them have peaceful engagements because, There are many, like, stressors in engagement, and I wanted to help women have peace, as well as the fact that you said, um, you know, marriage prep in a lot of places isn't so great. And I talk to women across the board. Some are like, oh, our marriage prep is so great. And some are like, we met for two days, and that's it. That's all the guidance I got during engagement. And I was like, that's so sad. And we need to do something. Women need proper guidance through engagement. And that's why I created this for women and for the church. And it's so distracting with everything from planning flowers to picking up rings and having your (laughs) timeline for the wedding itself and the drama that can surround it and stress. But then the reality is, is that an engagement is meant to prepare you to become a wife. And so you're touching on something that I think few people are receiving benefits from, and that is making that actual transition. Like you said, marriage prep is sort of a mess in and of itself. I've been, I remember I went um, on an engage encounter one or a pre-Kina one day event. And then we also had to do an engage encounter like weekend long event run by the same people. And I went to my priest and I begged him after the single day event, please don't make me go. It was so so terrible (laughs) that that I just, I can't even imagine. And what's sad is that there are most of the people there 
were in relationships where they were living together and there was nothing ever said about chastity before marriage or chastity in marriage or you know preparing for some of the difficult conversations that will be had before and inside marriage so this is a program that will help women in putting the right focus um, into that season of engagement so how does a woman keep her focus on what matters during her engagement that's a very good question. The, the second video in the entire series is called Where Is Your Focus? And it helps brides to put their focus on what really matters. And it gives them practical tools in order to help them do that. Ultimately, it's just about when you're engaged, looking at your priorities, right? It, it, it's true what you say. You do a one-day thing and then a weekend thing, and you spend three days preparing for marriage. And think of how many hours couples spending spend planning for the wedding like thousands of hours of meeting with your cake person and meeting with your florist and researching things on pinterest and all of these things it's really like how am i like where am i putting my time in my engagement is it just like watching you know different things and just reading articles about the best flowers to have or is it in, okay, maybe my marriage prep is crummy at my parish, but how can I look into maybe preparing better or seeking out a mentor couple myself, really like looking prayerfully at like, okay, I, it's good to plan the wedding with gusto and with joy. It's an amazing thing to, and fun thing to plan a wedding. But am I letting that take over the whole uh, experience and the process of my engagement? Or am I finding a good, like, pri like putting priorities in place where that's not the end all and be all or the main event? The main event is looking at marriage and walking through engagement in a healthy, um, sensible way. And so you mentioned prayer and you mentioned even finding a mentor couple. What else can help keep you in the right uh, mindset? Are, do you in your program navigating engagement have recommended prayers? Do you have, you know, educational resources that you recommend to women for them to use during this season? Uh, I do have prayers. So um, throughout navigating engagement, there are 10 videos. And then each one comes with a journaling worksheet. So that aids a woman in, um, you know, walking through prayer. Because I think a lot of the overwhelm in engagement as a bride-to-be myself, it was like, when I go to pray, I don't even know what to pray for because there are so many feelings. And like you said, there's so much drama and there's so much interpersonal complexities that come up during the season of engagement, whether that's with your mom or your dad or your in-laws or whoever that might be, that it's like there's so much going on in your heart when you sit down to finally pray. It's like, what do I even say to the Lord? Like, like what is there to say? And so I wanted to help women put words to that. So for each topic in navigating engagement, I wrote an original prayer that women can really dive into and look at things to pray for um, throughout each facet of their engagement, whether that's loving their fiance well, bringing out to prayer to how, like how to be not to, you're not, not trying to be a great wife yet, right? You're not married. How do I like live life as a great fiance? How do I love him well? As well as discernment. That's something that I think is really lost in engagement. And I think that's something people are talking about a little bit more, um, that engagement is not a marriage and that discernment of whether or not you're going to marry this person should take place. And I um, help women pray through that as well, because I think it's really something important to take to prayer um, and have guidance on so overall a more prayerful process is what I'm hoping we can help um, just brides-to-be in the church have. In the midst of the overwhelm, in the midst of the planning, 
How do they pray about this? How do they invite Jesus into the process of engagement? Because that changes everything. Mm. Let's talk about, you mentioned the fiance and the place that the fiance plays and everything. Like you say in your navigating engagement program for women, sometimes it's easy to lose the groom in the process yeah. <laughs> with, totally every, you know, some men are involved in wedding planning, many are not. They may be there to put out fires between the two families or somehow uh, facilitate putting together the guest list uh, and maybe do some cake test tasting, if anything mm-hmm. else. It's not a whole lot more. So how do you guide women in fostering that relationship with the fiance during engagement and not kind of almost losing the relationship during the engagement itself beyond kind of those happy feelings of, hey, we're getting married and this is really stressful and exciting at the same time? Yes, it's a very challenging thing to do. Loving your fiance well is not something that comes easy. Um, in the midst of the planning, as a you know, as a bride who's immersed in wedding planning, it can be easy to just, you know, be complaining about everything. Oh, this lady didn't call, and this and that, and this and that. And so, my goal is to help um, guide brides to be fiancés, female fiancés, to really prioritize the heart and the feelings um, and how their fiancé is doing. To stop, you know, this is what I encourage, you know, um, I have a whole video on this, loving your fiancé well, encouraging them to stop, say, how are you really doing, right? And not saying you can't cry about this, you can't, you know, express your frustrations, but to really remember that when a man is looking at marriage as well, it's a big change that he's going to go through as well. Becoming a husband is a huge change. Becoming possibly a father is a huge change. And like just not dismiss the fact that while I, as a bride-to-be, am going through big changes and emotions and all these things and there's all these parties and all this stuff, like he's navigating emotions too. And he's going through stuff too. So to stop and really ask him um, is one of the first things I, I share with women that's so vitally important. Mm-hmm. And helping him through perhaps many grooms experience fear. They experience doubt. They have one of these moments of what on earth did I, did I do and look at everything totally. that is on my shoulders moving forward. And so often the um, other, you know, the, the soon-to-be wife, the bride can help in navigating a lot of those emotions if those conversations are actually being had. Interesting question that came just came in. And if you're joining us, you're listening to Trending with Timurie here on Relevant Radio. I'm joined by YouTuber, author, and speaker Emily Wilson. She has a new program for women available at navigatingengagement.com. It's called Navigating Engagement with Peace, Joy, and Gratitude. We're uh, posting a link to it on social media now, and I've tagged Emily on Instagram. You can follow her great work, especially reaching out to women there. Uh, Emily, a question that came in from Dr. John has to do with wounds. And so how often wounds don't come up until many years into the marriage. He himself experienced this with his ex-wife who had some sexual molestation wounds in her past. And so is there a part of your program that helps to address some of the brokenness that many women may have gone through before and need to kind of reconcile with, um, go to confession and heal from in order to have that deeper and better relationship with their soon-to-be spouse? For sure. I talk about that. The the interesting part of, you know, the matter that you bring up is that it's so 
different for every woman. So one of my greatest encouragements for um, the women and even like having them share about it with their fiance is to go to counseling. Just to, if you feel like there are things coming up, right? And, and it's true. When you get engaged, things start coming up, these fears, these wounds, this brokenness, these things that maybe you like talked about with in dating, but that need to be addressed on a deeper level. It is so important that we don't just say like, oh, well, like this is normal or, oh, well, we talked about it. So, you know, we can move past it. If people who are engaged feel these things coming up. It is so important to go to counseling to see a great therapist who can really give you the practical tools and guidance that you need. And I share about that um, and how important it is in navigating engagement because we can't, there's no way to be healed from everything before we get married, right? It's not like we come to this perfect place where like, I'm, I'm perfect now. That's like, I have to be perfect in order to get married. We all bring things into marriage. But the more we can work through those, right, and with the help of a professional if we need it, to give us actual real guidance and support and practical tools to do that, to, to do that healing work, the better off we will be. That's not to say, like I, you know, like I said, it's all going to be fixed, but in order to enter marriage in the most healthy way we can, to seek counseling um, is a really, really great gift we can give ourselves in order to prepare for marriage and enter into marriage um, in a healthy way. That's Emily Wilson here on Trending with Timory. You can find her new program, Navigating Engagement with Peace, Joy, and Gratitude at navigatingengagement.com. We've posted a link on social media at Timory, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E to find that link. And we'll also include it in the podcast notes for today's episode. Be sure if you know someone who's engaged, especially a young woman, that you pass on this podcast to her with Emily Wilson. We'll be right back during our marriage hour talking about ways to better prepare for the wedding day and wedding night. So what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's our weekly marriage hour today on Trending. If you have a question, the number is 1-888-914-9149. I'm going to be telling you a story of an individual who detransitioned after being ushered into a transgender identity. I've been receiving messages from this person, and I want to share a little bit of their story with you. We'll also take your questions circling around abortion in the midst of the heated debate we are in nationally. Join me now during this marriage hour, as always, talking everything from dating and relationships to the end goal of marriage is Emily Wilson. She's a YouTuber, author, and speaker. You can find her latest project at navigatingengagement.com. It's a program for women to prepare for their marriage and to give additional aid during that engagement season. If you know someone who's engaged or looking to become engaged, please share this program with them. Marriage prep 
programs and classes are terrible for many people. And I know so many people often say, I did not feel prepared when I went into marriage. I knew, you know, very little about um, what to expect. And two of the topics I want to dive into with Emily today in preparing women for marriage is preparing for specifically the wedding day, as well as a topic not often discussed, and that is preparing for the wedding night. Emily, what tips do you give women in navigating engagement to help truly prepare their hearts and their faith for the wedding day itself? So um, in each video, um, in navigating engagement, I have a scripture verse. And on the day of your wedding, um, I share the scripture verse, rejoice always, pray unceasingly, and give thanks in all things. So I share four pillars um, that they can hold on to during their wedding day. Rejoice always, pray unceasingly, give thanks in all things, and let it go. Sharing with them that like all things in life, the wedding day isn't going to be perfect, and there are going to be things that get out of hand. I don't know if your wedding day was perfect, but mine certainly wasn't. Did you have anything go wrong on your wedding day? Well, things always go wrong. I think the food showed up super late, and the <laughs> rain was so intense that I think like at least a third of the people who were supposed to be there weren't there, and we had to move the reception inside in San Diego where it never rains. So oh, I digress. It my was gosh. a record-breaking day for rain, but apparently that's good luck, and it made for fun photos. <laughs> okay, I love that, but it's true. You plan for so long, and that's one of the things. I felt very out of control of the outcome on that day. You plan for six months. 11 months we had an 11 month engagement and on that day of when things are wrong you're like wait but I planned for this for 11 months like it's all supposed to go according to plan and it never does um maybe for some people but I've never talked to a bride who was like oh yeah this went wrong that went wrong and that went wrong so like helping women come into a posture of surrender on the day of their wedding not only to the sacrament they're about to enter into. But to the way the day unfolds is very important to me because I think that helps brides have more peace on their wedding day. And a peaceful bride is a beautiful thing. A bride who's like going in a million different directions, stressed out of her mind, is not like that's not what, you know, you want or hope for for a bride on her wedding day. So sharing about having a wedding day filled with peace is really important to me because I think when a bride's heart is postured on a wedding day um, and it's filled with peace, it really flows to everybody else. I think when a bride is really anxious and stressed and super wound up because of a lot of, you know, things that might be out of her control, that like indirectly goes on to everybody else because we want a bride and groom to feel peace on that day and we want everything to go right for them. But when, you know, I can help a bride posture her heart in that surrendered way, um, I think it really impacts the whole entire day. And not only that, it impacts the memories a bride will have of her wedding day. Because I talk to a lot of women who think, who say, I don't really have happy memories of my wedding day because I was so stressed and this went wrong and that went wrong and it really threw me off. So helping women know how to not let those things derail them, derail their peace of heart, mind, and spirit uh, is really important to me. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, like you said, a lot of things do happen. A lot of tense moments certainly occur. Things can go wrong. And I remember something someone had told me a number of times before I got married is during that wedding day, 
just take moments to pause and take in the moment, especially in the middle of mass, especially at points during the reception. And I'm so glad that I was told that because there were a lot of moments where I paused in the midst of everything that was going on and just looked at what was going on, having that opportunity to be prayerful, to be grateful, to actually see, you know, your new spouse in front of you because it's so easy for the day to just go like that. And you can't believe it's already Mm -hmm. over. You're both (laughs) thankful and a little surprised by how quickly it it happened. Uh, So I think that these tips and moments of preparation, like you said, rejoicing always, praying unceasingly and letting go. What was that fourth one that you included in there? Um, Give thanks in all things. So for example, like giving thanks in all things, taking a grateful heart into your wedding day, whatever man walks you down the aisle, whether that's your father or some other man, like encouraging brides before you take his arm, like give thanks, like recognize the moment, what's happening. Give thanks to God for this man that's standing in front of you who's about to walk you to your groom. Little things like that that help you not like coast through the day, but be really intentional. Like you said, looking around, um, I encourage them, you know, look at all your bridesmaids as they're getting ready. And just like say, Lord, thank you for the friendship that these women have offered me up to this moment for so many years. Like, thank you for the friends that they've been. Um, Just really helps, like, be intentional, like, prayers of Thanksgiving throughout the whole entire day. And it was such a special time, my two sisters and I having that time together before the wedding to just prepare and enjoy that time that you'll really never have back once you're married. You have time together, Mm -hmm. but not in the same way that you did prior to being married. I know my sister and I especially savored that because we – we're married two weeks apart. So it was a big transition time for both of us as well. Uh, funny enough, a couple, I know a couple years later, we then had a baby exactly a week apart as well. So no <laughs> that is way. A, two weeks apart. My sister and I got married eight months apart and that was pretty close as it was, but two weeks <laughs> is about as close as you can get. <laughs> the, the story goes, she was engaged, or both engaged, and her husband was stationed in Bahrain in the military, and he was guaranteed leave for a Christmas wedding. And the same day, she was putting invitations in the mail. Because he was lower on the totem pole, they changed everything up and said he couldn't go home for his wedding. And so she had to rearrange her whole wedding, oh. and the options were two weeks prior to my wedding or a week or two after. And so I said, you go first, we're good. Uh, and it it made for a very fun couple of weeks. And the people who didn't show up at my wedding went to hers and vice versa. So you almost got to visit with your wedding guests when you otherwise wouldn't have gotten to visit with them the same way at your own wedding. So it worked out really well. Okay. That's really fun because yes, at your wedding, you want to talk to everybody. And the reality is that you don't get to talk to them, you know, very much at all. That's so much fun. And that's another thing about navigating engagement is that brides who, brides to be who are engaged, like friends who are engaged at the same time, they can uh, enroll in the video series and they can walk through it together. So you can do it as an individual or have like groups of eight engaged women who meet on Zoom. They watch one or two videos and they talk about it. And I think that's such an important part of like needing community and needing women who understand where you are and how you're feeling. I think it's so sweet that you have that with your sister because I think it can be very lonely and you can feel like I'm the only one who feels like this. But when you're walking with other women, who know right then and there what it feels like to be engaged, what it feels like, you know, to try and be planning a wedding as, you know, outside of a pandemic, right, after 2020 and all the craziness. Um, It's really cool to be able to have community with other women who get the season that you're going through. So it's just so Mm -hmm. sweet that you had your sister for that. 
It was very fun. Now, another part of the marriage preparation, if you're just joining us, you're listening to our weekly marriage hour here on Trending with Tim, where we're talking about that engagement season. Maybe you had a great engagement, difficult engagement. Well, help someone out who is getting ready for that season to become engaged or in the process of their engagement moving toward marriage. Check out Emily Wilson's program, Navigating Engagement. You can find it at navigatingengagement.com. We post the link on social media media as well as in it will be in the podcast notes for today's show you can subscribe relevant radio app or wherever you catch your podcasts emily the question i receive probably most often from engaged couples especially from the women is a lot of fear and nervousness circling around the anticipation of the wedding night and all that comes with that and i mm-hmm. find that many women are experiencing a lot of um, fear of inadequacy And I'd like to kind of hear your um, approach in helping women to prepare for the wedding night. Yeah, absolutely. So we have, I have a whole video dedicated to, um, it's called The Wedding Night uh, in Navigating Engagement. And my sweet husband joined me for that episode um, because I felt it was very important to have his voice as well. And the approach um, that I always take into the wedding night is like different people have bring different experiences into the wedding night. No matter what they've chosen, um, living chastely, maybe they had a conversion, whatever, you know, you've been through or experienced, Um, we address all of that in the wedding night, you know, coming from wherever place you're coming from. I think the most important thing that we share about in that video is talking about expectations. And I think it's a really great practice for marriage for um, a couple to ask each other, what are your expectations for the wedding night? Because some people might have a different vision of how things are going to go. Maybe someone envisions like after the reception, we'll go to, you know, to get dinner because we won't eat and then we'll go to the hotel after or like there could be so many different ways that a person sees it going so I think one of the most important things is for a couple who is engaged to sit down and say what are what do you envision our wedding night going like this is something that they won't have you ask in marriage prep right on your engagement kind of weekend (laughs) they're not talking about these things so I think that it's really important to talk about expectations, but really to also pray through that, right? Like you, you talked about feelings of inadequacy or fears or struggles. I had a girl, she um, just reviewed this video and she said, like, I'm just crying my eyes out because I feel so much more at peace because I was really stressed about this. And she said, I didn't realize like how many stresses I had or how much I was like just feeling fear about the wedding night when like you've guided me to see that there's nothing like to stress or to fear about, but to really bring like those feelings that I might have and talk about them with my fiance and also bring them to the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. The Lord is like, has created like the design for marriage, the design for sex and like bringing him into that, the fears, the worries about inadequacy or whatever that might be encouraging women as they approach their wedding night, again, whatever their past or history might be, to approach that with prayer and invite the Lord into their preparations in their heart is really, really key. And then something else that um, Daniel, my husband, and I talk about is like the the reality that um, the physical relationship between a husband and a wife is for a lifetime, right? That there's so much pressure that's put on the wedding night to be this perfect experience and all these things and you like have these expectations, but to realize that you have a lifetime of learning to love one another um, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, 
and that it's a process and a journey and then that's a good thing that it's not like oh we have one shot to have a perfect wedding night it's no we're beginning a new part um of our marriage of our married life and that that's a good and beautiful thing and that's the way we always should approach it that it's a good and beautiful thing and I think touching on even, and I don't know if you do this, but touching on some of the practical elements I and mean, everything from the pornified culture we live in, that you need to know whether or not, you know, the person you're marrying has struggled with pornography in the past mm-hmm. and how this may uh, impact and wound expectations entering in intimacy and talking through that ahead of time. Like you said, those expectations are really important or brokenness where there may be sexual abuse on the side of one individual, or even just for some people, they experience a lot of pain the first time they engage in intercourse and no mm-hmm. one really talks to them or prepares them for that. And so these are, there are a lot of practical things that can be discussed ahead of time. And I believe your series does go through to help women in this direction, correct? Yes, we do. We get into the nitty gritty, right? That's what we say, like really specific detailed things that they're not going to give a talk on in marriage prep. My husband and I talk about that. And one of the greatest encouragements that we give in the midst of talking about really detailed things and just sharing really practical tips, right, that, you know, you share with people who are preparing for for, you know, sexual intimacy within marriage is to talk about it with someone you trust, right? Um, Whether that's a sister or a friend, someone who is married, to just talk about like what to expect um, more specifically in more detail and with someone that you trust who wants to guide you in that way. Because when we're left anything in life to figure things out on our own or just to navigate it alone, um, I just don't think it's helpful. So that's why my husband and I wanted to gather together for that video to really help guide like couples in that way. I think it's super important and something that the church hasn't done a great job of for a long time. That's Emily Wilson here on Trending with Timur. You can find her program for women called Navigating Engagement. We posted a link on social media as well in the in the podcast notes for today's show. You can also follow her on social media, especially Instagram and YouTube. Just look up Emily Wilson. I've tagged her on my Instagram page at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. I'll be right back here on Trending to share a funny story actually about our wedding night, as well as sharing the story of a young individual who detransitioned after going through a hormonal so-called transition. We'll be right back here on Trending. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's our marriage hour. And as we were talking with Emily Wilson about navigating engagement program, navigatingengagement.com, preparation for women, I kept thinking about our wedding day. My husband Gabriel's and mine, our wedding night and all of those things. And it's funny, I was thinking about the day I mentioned earlier, it rained cats and dogs. We had a historic torrential rain in San Diego. It never rains in San Diego. I mean, it does, but if you live there, you know what I mean. And it, it was crazy. We were hydroplaning on our way to the wedding. The valet didn't have any umbrellas. I gave them my umbrella as we were getting out of 
the guards said, here, use this. They were just drenched. It, it was a day absolutely to remember. But the funny part that actually not a lot of people know is that my husband was actually sick as a dog on our wedding day, along with his best man. His best man was literally sweating bullets throughout the entire wedding reception. He was so sick. Uh, and my husband on our wedding night was like shivering. He was so cold, running a super high fever. I think he had about 20, um, 20 blankets on him just to stay warm because he was so cold that night. It's funny. I, I, we joke that he was having cold feet, but that wasn't the case. But there's also a very special tradition in the church that not a lot of people talk about. And it's the tradition of the Tobias tradition. You may know the book of Tobit, where Tobit uh, um, sends his son Tobias um, on a journey to collect some money, and he encounters St. Raphael, or should I say Raphael the Archangel, on he is a company on the journey, he ends up meeting a woman who eventually ends up marrying. This woman had seven husbands who died on the wedding night. And she was about ready to just commit suicide and end it all. She thought something was wrong with her. Long story short, there's this beautiful tradition in the church of following in the steps of the tradition of Tobias, who, because he knows the history of his bride on their wedding night, he says, instead of consummating the marriage, why don't we pray tonight and we'll rise up in the morning? And there, there's this tradition in the church of re reminding ourselves that faith is at the heart of our marriage. It's at the heart of our relationship with our spouse, that marriage is a vocation, it's a sacrament, it's sacrificial love. And so that prayer that can enter into that wedding night to give time and ease into the intimacy that can occur um, within the context of marriage. And I think that that's a very beautiful tradition. I know a lot of my friends and I, it's something we all chose to do uh, from college and it's um, something that worked out really well when your spouse has a high fever on your wedding night and it's shivering. Um, but you're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Always the fun, real stories here on Trending. But I wanted to share with you the story of a young person who recently wrote to me about their own story of experiencing transgenderism and depression. And I use vague language because I don't know if this person is um, a boy or a girl. I don't know because sometimes you look on social media and it's ambiguous um, cartoon characters and, you know, people have locked down social media accounts. And so without prying, um, I don't know if this person um, is a bi biological male or a biological female. So uh, hence my um, they are generalized terms that we should use and we don't know if someone a man or a woman, not when we're trying to pretend not to be a man or a woman. Uh, but this story is relevant. And the reason why is because Target has recently partnered with a company to help children hide from their parents that they are choosing to quote unquote transition to the opposite sex, that they are choosing to live out a transgender identity. So what Target is doing, it's officially been announced that they are selling 
chest binder bras and packing underwear. Now notice it's interesting because they're specifically targeting this to women because there's a trend and not just a trend, but a monetary financial business centering around the droves of actual young women, high school and college adolescent age, who are choosing to transition to so-called being boys. Now, in this process, the common things that are done um, are women will wear chest binders, which are extremely harmful for young women or any women. It can cause severe back pain, shortness of breath, and even cracked ribs, which are just a few items on the low level, causing anxiety, um, fainting, and any number of other issues, which is extremely concerning when transgenderism usually um, tends to already be some level of anxiety and depression and other um, um, co-diagnoses, co-mental illnesses prior. So adding a physical impact is extremely harmful as well. So anyways, Target is helping to sell these chest binders so that a kid can just say, oh, what, mom, it's a sports bra from Target. You know, they can't suspect anything. And then also packing underwear to make it look like, you know, what's going on in your pants for a girl that doesn't actually have those parts. So all of this is coming from Target. And it's being targeted for young people to hide this from their parents. Now, I bring this up because we don't often hear the real stories of young people who are going through so-called transitions. And I was recently written to by a young individual who is D, who has detransitioned. And I don't know if this is a boy or a girl. They're sharing their story, hence the um, gender neutral language, because I don't know, and that's appropriate in this context. This is what was written to me. It's not too different, that is this experience, from the usual detrans story, where I was looking for anything to point at to blame for a general feeling of depression I had and falling into the idea that there are some signs, quote unquote signs, that every one who is trans has. So this person starts by writing me saying, my story is the same as many people. I was looking for something or someone to blame, but I was actually struggling with depression. And in the midst of that, I was looking for some called of some kind of quote signs that would say, oh yeah, I'm actually the opposite sex. And you see the transgender community tries to find signs of self-doubt or discouragement that many young people already experience, but especially if someone who's starting to experience gender dysphoria probably has experience, but that doesn't mean that they're transgender or the opposite sex. This person went on to write to me saying, gendering behaviors when they didn't need to be and surrounding yourself with people who do the same. Said all these things led to have led this individual to have more doubts about what I was doing as far as nine months into hormones. But this person said, I got pushed to keep going by some people instead of going to get mental help. So nine months into doing hormones, when this person's already having doubt about quote unquote transitioning, this person was surrounded by pro-transgender individuals and these people were encouraging them to continue with cross-sex hormones instead of getting the mental help that was needed. But here's the good news. This person has detransitioned. It started in part with a panic attack that really showed how bad the mental state was. This person decided to pray and give God and church another try, started to receive helpful therapy and through church prayer and and therapy 
has detransitioned. And I share this story to you, with you because I hear from so many parents whose kids are struggling with transgenderism. I hear from young people who are detransitioning, and these are the real raw stories that no one's telling the truth about. When I was getting to talk to this person this week, I encouraged this individual to go to confession regularly. You know, this battle circling around sexuality and gender identity is a physical, mental, spiritual, psychological battle. And we need all sides covered. Mental health and therapy is important. Prayer and church is important. Going to confession, even if you don't have, and this is for anyone who's struggling with anything, not just someone who's struggling with gender dysphoria, but going to confession, even when you don't have a mortal sin for your smaller venial sins, helps in pouring an abundance of graces down upon you. Graces, sanctifying graces that we need to fortify us and protect us in the culture and the world we live in and in the midst of the weaknesses that we have and are striving to overcome. And so if you're struggling or if you know someone who's struggling with gender dysphoria, Help them in turning to God in prayer. Help them in getting the true mental help resources and therapists that will help them, that won't encourage them to transition to the opposite sex and engage in harmful chest biting, cross-sex hormones, or what isn't even possible, so-called sex changes. It's not possible to change your sex. You can manipulate matter. You can't change reality. So this is the truth that matters. And just a couple thoughts that I think are really important when we're sharing stories like this. Transitioning to the opposite sex does not make anyone happier. It actually, did you know this? It increases the likelihood to commit suicide. Now, I know that the pro-transgender movement is trying to say otherwise, claiming that people will be suicidal or be bullied and it's a stigma and that's why they're experiencing suicide. It's actually not the truth. And some of the longest studies done and most comprehensive studies that have been done, and by the way, they're never in the United States, but in other countries such as Sweden and the Netherlands, what they've shown time and time again is that when there is actually some follow-up, not just a year, not just a couple months, and not even not just five years after a so-called sex change surgery, you can't change your sex, not possible, or after cross-sex hormones, what they see is is that while the first couple years tend to be the so-called honeymoon phase, moving past the first couple years, especially getting into years five, six, seven, eight, nine, this is where you start to see the suicide rate increase. And the reality is, is that people who have gone through with a so-called gender reassignment surgery or sex change surgery, whatever you want to call it, it's not possible. You can manipulate matter. You can't change reality. Those individuals who go through with this experience a suicide rate that is 20 times higher than their peers. It's been made very clear that people who suffer from gender dysphoria have other mental illness diagnoses along with and preceding gender dysphoria. It could be anxiety. It could be depression. As I shared with a young individual who wrote to me this past week, this person was struggling with depression. 
and needed to be treated for depression before this person ever should have received cross-sex hormones. And we need to tell the truth and help other people who are struggling. At the end of the day, this is a crisis for our young people. That's why I hope you'll listen to the podcast. I'm linking to it on social media now, and it will be available in the podcast notes. Please share this episode with someone who's struggling with the whole idea circling around gender dysphoria and thinking that it's the most compassionate to share. Um, but I did a podcast a couple weeks ago with the licensed marriage and family therapist, Michael Gasparro. He's at the forefront addressing this crisis centering around gender dysphoria and same-sex attraction. And we talked about the real need that young people have and how to incorporate this of helping young people to accept and love their bodies and the biological reality of whether they are male or female. And so I hope you'll listen to that podcast. We're linking to it now on social media. Follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E, or catch it in the podcast notes, relevantradio.com, or wherever you catch your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and not miss an episode. Okay, in the last few minutes I have, there are a lot of questions that are coming in, and I want to jump into a lot of these Um Oh my goodness, so many questions on the abortion front. Uh, First, though, a reminder, tomorrow is the feast day of Our Lady of Fatima, and it's also the day that the United States Catholic Conference of Bishops has invited you and I to fast and pray the rosary. We'll be fasting and praying for peace in our world and for an end to legal abortion in the United States. Answer our bishop's call to pray the rosary for these intentions and bring your own to the heart of Mary, our mother. You can join Father Rocky for the family rosary across America here on Relevant Radio, the Relevant Radio app, our website, this Friday evening at 7 p.m. Central. Our Lady of Fatima, Queen of Peace pray for us. Okay. There are a ton of questions. I can't get to all of them, but I will tomorrow. But I did have a question come in because I discussed earlier this week, plan B. Uh, Plan B, also known as the morning after pill. Uh, that a lot of people take and a lot of young women take. I don't know if you know this. We see this in the crisis pregnancy center where uh, it's harder than ever to reach the abortion-minded woman today because many women, especially young women who aren't married, every time they have sex, they're actually taking plan B because they don't want to get pregnant. And so we're seeing a lot of very early what we could refer to abortions or um, plan B functioning as a contraceptive. Now, here's the deal. People will say, well, plan B is a solution to reducing abortion numbers and is a solution for after Roe versus Wade is overturned. But I explained that plan B is actually an abortion. It can function either as a contraceptive preventing sperm and egg from ever meeting or it can function as an abortifacient and kill a baby and prevent a baby from implanting properly in a woman's uterus where it needs to be nourished and grow for those 40 weeks of pregnancy or 38 weeks. Again, the whole thing. So here's the deal. I've received a number of questions where people have said, Timory, hello, you're wrong. Plan B does not function as an abortion. And, and I Googled this and I can't find anywhere the stats or any information backing up what you said that plan B functions as an abortion. Okay. Number one, if we're still using only Google for research, 
we need to make sure we're using other search engines because the results on Google are highly skewed and we don't always receive truth there. So that's just a side note, but here's the deal. And I actually received another question where someone, Kiara on Instagram, hello, a young woman actually I trained in pro-life work at a pro-life training camp, Fox UT. She said, I've been researching and many of the arguments in the research I'm doing shows that life doesn't begin at conception. And this is why people will try to claim that plan B is not an abortifacient. So stay with me here. Generations have been duped and the medical profession is actually lying to us. I want to shed some light on this. The definition of pregnancy has been changed by one organization over time that has been trying to convince people that abortions are not occurring. ACOG is the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. And back in the 60s and 70s, they altered the definition of pregnancy. They altered the definition of pregnancy to ignore the science of embryology, acknowledging at the moment of fertilization, also known as conception, that a new unique human life begins and exists, and that this occurs outside the uterus when fertilization, also known as conception, occurs. What ACOG did is they made it seem as if this doesn't occur until implantation, that no new life occurs until implantation. So what they've done for years is convince people that plan B and contraception is not an abortifacient, but it is. You can't rewrite reality, and even plan B and the FDA know the truth that this causes an abortion. This is Timory from Trending with Timory. Friday is a feast day of Our Lady of Fatima. We'll talk about this great Marian apparition and its significance in our life. I'm joined by NAPRO infertility specialist and infertility specialist, Dr. Susan Caldwell. Also dive into a little bit of my health journey. I know a lot of you have been asking about food allergies and everything that I've experienced crossing over into fertility. So join me Friday at 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.